Good morning and welcome to the Unitarian Universalist Church of Kent. We gather as a diverse and inclusive spiritual community that seeks to inspire love, work for justice, and grow in community. Whoever you are, we welcome you. Wherever you come from, we welcome you. Whomever you love, we welcome you. May this be a place where you can be your fullest and most authentic self. I invite us to take a deep breath together and to be fully present. Put aside the demands of the world and simply be as we begin this time of worship, of celebration, of reflection, of singing. Remember your connections with one another and all of life. May the spirit that is life and love flow through this place as we join Unitarian Universalists across the country in lighting a chalice, a symbol of sanctuary and safety, a sign of life's beauty and wonder, a symbol of peace and hope, an invitation to continue our ongoing search for the light of truth within us and among us. I invite Ava and Tristan to come up and light our chalice.
are everywhere, not only in your texts and emails, but in all types and manner of merchandising. They are not new. Every decade, every generation has had its emojis or symbols that are easily recognizable for their meaning. Most of us are aware that three green arrows in a triangle means recycling. We understand the symbol of the rainbow flag. We know that um, a cross means Christianity, a star of David. And no doubt we've seen and worn many colors of ribbons for different medical conditions or causes. In the 1960s and 70s, which were my childhood and teen years, this was my emoji, my sign. It still is. I am a pacifist. I am a peace lover and a peace warrior to the very core of my being. I hold as both hope and truth. One day, peace on earth will prevail. Although peace begins within, it is not a solitary pursuit. So I ask you, join me, fellow peace lovers, my peace warrior tribe. Let us wage peace. Let us worship together. Yes, peace begins within ourselves, but it also begins in this place where we covenant with one another to make peace, to work toward justice. In that spirit, would you join me now in the words for our covenant, which you'll find in your order of service. Love is the spirit of this church and service its law. This is our great covenant to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. Friends and family, this is a joyous occasion as we recognize and welcome the gift of a child into this world and into this circle of love. The Unitarian educator Sophia Lyon Foss once said that every time a child is born is a holy time, a time for singing, a time for wondering. It is a time to give thanks for the beauty of the earth, a time to recognize that every person born 
is a blessing to the world and to affirm that we are only fully human in community. So we gather as people have throughout time to dedicate a child and to dedicate ourselves to the care and tending of all our children. In this spirit of gathering and blessing, we honor our families, gifts of life to us, those through time who have gone before us, loved us and helped us become who we are. We recognize all those who have gathered here now and those who are away from us in distance and time. We honor the ancestors who have left this world but not our hearts, and we welcome them here in our minds, especially Nona and Norina. With a moment of silence, we remember our loved ones who have entered eternity and live on in our hearts. These are the words of the poet Hafiz. What is the root of all these words? One thing, love. But a love so deep and sweet, it needed to express itself with sense, sounds, colors that never before existed. I now invite Jeff and Nicole to bring your family up. Jeff and Nicole, what name do you give this child who you bring to this gathered community? And so I ask you, Jeff and Nicole, do you dedicate yourself to do all that you can to provide Declan with the roots of faith and truth, like the strong and ancient oak, so that he may feel safe, and wings, so that like an eagle he may soar? Do you promise to share with him the beauty and goodness of life, and to always offer him open arms and an open heart? If so, please say, we will. We will. Ava and Tristan, as Declan's brother and sister, will you love him? Yeah. Play with him? Be his friend and give him puffs? Yeah. Okay, then give him puffs. <laughs> you guys can give him a puff. Do you want help? Declan, want a puff? Can you give puffs? Yeah, All right. And now, children and youth of this community, do you promise to welcome Declan as a friend and companion, to teach him and learn from him, to share with him and invite him to share with you, and to give him your care and companionship, even as he offers you his care and companionship? If so, please say we do. Thank you. Adults of this community, do you promise Declan your love and support, a listening ear and a helping hand in times of trial? Do you promise to make this a community where his beliefs, his doubts, and his questions are welcome, where he will be nurtured and taught, and where he can always come home? If so, please say, we do. We do. We're going to bless him with the four elements. Ava, we should help me. Could you hold this so I can see it? Okay. <laughs> Declan. We bless you with earth. May the earth be your home for many years and may it ground you and give you strength. May you always find wonder and joy in the world and may you care for this creation of which you are a beloved part. Declan, we bless you with air. <laughs> may pure fresh air fill your lungs that you may cry tears of sorrow, laugh joyfully, sing life's praises, Raise your voice for justice and speak your wisdom. Good set of lungs. <laughs> May the wind blow gently as a companion on your life's journey. 
and may it whisper to you of life's mysteries. <laughs> Declan, we bless you with fire. May the flame of love and justice burn brightly in your heart for all your days, and may you see a spark of the divine in all creatures. May the light of truth guide you on your way as you seek wisdom and understanding, and may the warmth of community surround you and hold you. <laughs> Declan, we bless you with water. May you drink deeply of life, and may you thirst for truth and justice. May you know the gift of meaningful work and the peace of rest at the end of the day. May your tears flow freely, whether in joy or in sorrow, and may you dance in the rain, splash in puddles, and jump in pools. Declan, receive this rose without thorns as a symbol for our hope that your life may be filled with beauty and that you will have as few thorns of sorrow and suffering as possible. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Carl Sagan once said, the cosmos is also within us. We're made of star stuff. May these stars remind you that your spirit is limitless and that you are made of stars. May you remember that just as it takes time for the light of stars to be seen, sometimes determination includes patience. May you always strive to be a light in the darkness. Declan's name was chosen with hope for who he will become. Declan means full of goodness. May everyone who meets him see through his life the good and wonder of this world and all its inhabitants. Declan's middle name, Zane, means God is gracious. Jeff and Nicole hope that Declan continues his journey through life with wonder and appreciation for all. Declan Zane, my friends, may you grow in the light of truth, grace, goodness, and wisdom. May your days be long upon the earth for service and for song, and may your life be rich in work, in aspiration, in hope, and in love. May it be so, and amen. Mark Twain wrote the war prayer in 1905. It was his response to the Spanish-American War. When he died in 1910, it had still not been published and was not until 1923. It was a time of great and exalting excitement. The country was up in arms, the war was on. In every breast burned the holy fire of patriotism. Sunday morning came. Next day, the battalions would leave for the front. The church was filled. The service proceeded. A war chapter from the Old Testament was read. And then came the long prayer. No one could remember the like of it for passionate pleading and moving and beautiful language. The burden of its supplication was that an ever merciful and benign father of us all would watch over the noble young soldiers and help them crush the foe. Grant to them and to their flag and country imperishable honor and glory. 
An aged stranger entered and moved with slow and noiseless step up the main aisle. His body clothed in a robe that reached his feet, his head bare, his face unnaturally pale. With all eyes following him and wondering, he made his silent way. Without pausing, he ascended to the preacher's side. The stranger touched his arm, motioned for him to step aside, which the startled minister did, and took his place. During some moments, he surveyed the spellbound audience with solemn eyes, in which burned an uncanny light, and then, in a deep voice, he said, I come from the throne bearing a message from Almighty God. You have heard your servant's prayer, the uttered part of it. I am commissioned by God to put into words the other part of it, that part which the pastor and also you in your hearts fervently prayed silently. You heard these words, grant us the victory, O Lord, our God. That is sufficient. When you have prayed for victory, you have prayed for many unmentioned results which follow victory, must follow it, cannot help but follow it. God hath commanded me to put into words the unspoken part of your prayer. Listen. O Lord, our Father, our young patriots go forth to battle. Be thou near them, with them in spirit. We also go forth from the sweet peace of our beloved firesides to smite the foe. O Lord, our God, help us to tear their soldiers to bloody shreds with our shells. Help us to cover their smiling fields with the pale forms of their patriot dead. Help us to drown the thunder of the guns with the shrieks of their wounded writhing in pain. Help us to lay waste their humble homes with a hurricane of fire. Help us to wring the hearts of their unoffending widows with unavailing grief. Help us to turn them out ruthless with little children to wander unfriended the wastes of their desolated land in rags and hunger and thirst. Broken in spirit, imploring thee for the refuge of the grave and denied it. For our sakes, who adore thee, Lord, blast their hopes, blight their lives, protract their bitter pilgrimage, make heavy their steps, water their way with their tears, stain the white snow with the blood of their wounded feet. We ask it in the spirit of love, of him who is the source of love and who is ever faithful refuge and friend of all that are sore beset and seek his aid with humble and contrite hearts. Amen. Ye have prayed it. If ye still desire it, speak. The messenger of the Most High waits.
It was believed afterward that the man was a lunatic because there was no sense in what he said. Wage peace with your breath. Breathe in, firemen and rubble. Breathe out, whole buildings and flocks of red-winged blackbirds. Breathe in, terrorists, and breathe out sleeping children and freshly mown lawns. Breathe in, confusion, and breathe out, maple trees. Breathe in, the fallen, and breathe out, lifelong friendships intact. Wage peace with your listening. Hearing sirens, pray loud. Remember your tools, flower seeds, clothes pins, clean rivers, make soup, play music, learn the word for thank you in three languages. Learn to knit and make a hat. Think of chaos as dancing raspberries. Imagine grief as the outbreath of beauty or the gesture of fish. Swim for the other side. Wage peace. Never has the world seemed so fresh and precious. Have a cup of tea and rejoice. Act as if armistice has already arrived. The writer Anne Lamott tells of a time when she and her friend were together with both of their two-year-old sons playing. As happens with two-year-olds, there began to be a lot of talk about me and mine. And pretty soon, her friend's child raised his tightly closed fist, looked at the other boy, and said, I have the itty tro. Now keep in mind, that nobody in that room knew what the itty tro was. But sure enough, the other child immediately said, I want the itty tro. And even the mothers, Lamotte admitted, although remaining ever so much more sophisticated about it all, had to admit to the tiniest sense of aligning with their own sons in a struggle over precisely nothing. In the end, when they pried open the clenched fist of the one who started it, they found nothing at all. It was all about symbolic power, symbolic victory. After that behavior, I would have given that kid a 30-year timeout. <laughs> Where did two-year-olds learn this behavior? Is it human nature? Am I wasting my breath inviting you to wage peace with these words because the strongest instinct in all of life is to survive no matter what? The behavior of those two-year-olds is a reflection of the human struggle for power and for control. At the global level, nations create their own itty-tros, stories of superiority and the blessing of the God who is on their side are used by governments and leaders to justify the human drive for victory and power no matter the cost. What is equally horrifying is how people tend to respond. The mob mentality takes over and even those who might question the wisdom of war are caught up in the fervor. Today's first reading was an excerpt from Mark Twain's War Prayer. The piece itself is much longer. 
And there is a passage which describes the war fever that has swept the nation. Sunday morning came. Next day, the battalions would leave for the front. The church was filled. The volunteers were there, their young faces alight with martial dreams. Visions of the stern advance, the gathering momentum, the rushing charge, the flashing sabers, the flight of the foe, the tumult, the enveloping smoke, the fierce pursuit, the surrender. Then home from the war, bronzed heroes welcomed, adored, submerged in golden seas of glory. Mark Twain also comments on those who dare to question this noble human enterprise. The half dozen rash spirits that ventured to disapprove of the war and cast a doubt upon its righteousness straightway got such a stern and angry warning that for their personal safety's sake, they quickly shrank out of sight and offended no more that way. The messenger from God is labeled as a lunatic who makes no sense. Although the weapons of war have changed since this piece was written, its message of the evil and horrors of war is timeless and very relevant today. War is one of the ugliest aspects of humanity, and it reminds us that we are actually inferior to the other animals on this planet who at least kill to survive rather than kill out of a sense of superiority, self-righteousness, or even sport. We may laugh about the idiotro. But there is nothing funny or lighthearted about war. There is no humor in the lives that are lost or damaged beyond repair. There is no joy in the enormous waste of money, energy, and other resources that conflict consumes. Resources that could be used to make life more bearable for the millions of people on this earth who do without life's basics every day. There is no laughter in the cry of the widows and orphaned children that war leaves in its wake. There is no dignity or goodness in the wholesale slaughter of human beings. History makes its own indictment of human nature. In the book, What Every Person Should Know About War, Christopher Hedges writes, of the past 3,400 years, humans have been entirely at peace for 268 of them, or a mere 8% of recorded history. This country has always had an addiction to the Ititros. From the moment Christopher Columbus landed and began slaughtering and subduing the indigenous peoples, to the Puritans building their shining city on the hill and persecuting those who didn't believe as they did. Manifest destiny was a myth used to justify war with Mexico and taking land from the indigenous peoples as we moved westward. American exceptionalism is the concept that our way of democracy and capitalism is the only way to live, and that we have the right to impose our system on the rest of the world. 500 years later, we haven't learned a thing. When will we come to our senses? When will we understand that war is a spiritual sickness that destroys everything it touches? Where is the spirit of the 1960s and 70s the age of rebellion with its anti-war protests and rejection of a broken system. Some of you were there, wearing your bell bottoms, driving around in wildly painted vans, saying things like make love, not war, and groovy baby. <laughs> Singing songs like one tin soldier, this land is your land, and turn, turn, turn. Who remembers? Yeah. <laughs> Where did that spirit go? 
when did we become so complacent? We hear so many stories on the news of war and violence that many of us have become numb to the horror. Are there so many things competing for our attention and our energy that we simply cannot commit to waging peace? Tomorrow, Veterans Day, is a holiday. We take this time to remember and to honor our veterans, people who are willing to risk their lives to protect the freedoms we enjoy, the privileges we take for granted. I thank our veterans and I honor you this day. But my words, indeed any words of thanks, are not enough. Nor should we mark the day by celebrating with parades or fireworks or festive outings. Veterans Day and Memorial Day should be days of sorrow and repentance for all the times in human history and in American history when we settled with the sword what should have been settled with words of peace and reconciliation. These should be days to grieve our brutality and evil, our inability to find peaceful means to overcome our differences and to live in harmony with one another. These should be days in which we dare to dream of world peace even if it seems impossible. These should be days in which we truly thank and honor our veterans by committing our lives to waging peace. As Unitarian Universalists, we have a shared dream of peace. Our sixth principle calls us to affirm and promote the goal of world community with peace, liberty, and justice for all. How do we begin such a journey toward peace? Chinese philosopher Lao Tzu provides some guidance. He wrote, if there is to be peace in the world, there must be peace in our communities. If there is to be peace in our communities, there must be peace in our families. If there is to be peace in our families, there must be peace in ourselves. True peace begins with each one of us. Have we looked in our own hearts? Are we at peace with ourselves? Are we living peace in our relationships? Is our response to conflict one of peace and a desire to be reconciled? In a few moments, we'll sing, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Together, we will affirm a willingness to take personal responsibility for peace, for it must begin with each and every one of us. The second reading, Judith Hill's poem, Wage Peace, written just after 9-11, also provides guidance for us as we commit our lives to peace. We can't literally breathe in destruction and violence and breathe out peace and beauty, but we can visualize what peace looks like. We can use the tools we have at our disposal to recreate the world. Judith tells us that when we hear sirens, pray loud. Remember your tools, flower seeds, clothespins, clean rivers, make soup, play music. Learn the word for thank you in three languages. Learn to knit and make a hat. She invites us to dream of a different world, a world at peace, and then to make it happen. Plant flowers, create beauty, practice gratitude. Live as if armistice is already here. Live as if peace is a reality, not a distant dream. In the song, turn, 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 there are these words, a time for peace, I swear it's not too late. Will you commit your life to waging peace? This is a time to pray for peace in your heart, for peace in this city, for peace in the world. As you feel comfortable, you are also welcome to come forward and light a candle in silence.
Come forward and light a candle of hope or a candle of grief, a candle of remembrance, or a candle that symbolizes your commitment to wage peace, or a candle that is your prayer for peace. As we meditate together, we will sing Dona Nobis Pacem, which is Latin for grant us peace. These are the words of Angela Herrera. Whoever you are, however you are, wherever you are in your journey, this is an invitation into peace. Peace in your heart and peace in your heart. And with every breath, peace in your heart. Once it is in your heart, let it spread into your life. Let it pour from your life into the world. And once it is in the world, let it shine on all beings. And now knowing that peace begins with each and every one of us and renewed in our vision of a world where there is peace and justice, let us go forth to continue inspiring love, seeking justice, and growing a community. May it be so. Blessed be. Amen and namaste. namaste.